Well, good morning and welcome to the Men's Leadership Network. A special welcome to the satellite campuses meeting at Bricks in Cool Springs and at Flavor Catering downtown Nashville. Uh, a couple of housekeeping things. At your table, you're gonna see a card that has a name and email. If you guys make sure that you get that filled out, that'll help us connect with you guys um, in, in the upcoming weeks. So if you'll do that, that'll be fantastic. Second thing, we're gonna go for about 30, 35 minutes. Uh, Jeff and Matt are gonna share with us, and then we're gonna have a time of questions. So if you have any questions, you can either tweet or email those in. Uh, the email is questions at mensleadershipnetwork.com or the Twitter handle is at leadership underscore net. So um, if you have any questions, feel free to tweet those in. We'll get those uh, going here in a little bit. Let me introduce Matt. Middle Tennessee and Williamson County especially is one of the most beautiful places in the United States to live and to work today. We have an opportunity to speak with Matt today whose leadership has helped shape much of the economic landscape that is attracting business to the area. Matt Largen serves as president and CEO of Williamson County, Inc. Previously served as director of the Williamson County Office of Economic Development, where he managed and directed countrywide economic development strategies, including existing businesses, recruiting new businesses, and entrepreneurship. He also previously served as director of business recruitment at the National Area Chamber of Commerce. Projects that Matt has helped brought, bring to Middle Tennessee have been the Tractor Supply Company headquarters, Mars Pet Care, Jackson National Life, and Verizon Wireless State of Tennessee headquarters. Combined, these projects have accounted for more than 3,000 new jobs in Williamson County and more than 200 million in new capital investments. Matt resides here in Franklin with his beautiful wife, Audrey, and his two girls, Rachel and Emily. Please join me in wel welcoming Matt Largent. Matt. <laughs> yeah. Matt, this is great. Thanks so much for being here this morning. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Love it. Love it. Hey, uh, tell us a little bit about your family and then kind of uh, growing up and Kind of what brought you to this point in your life today? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so uh, it, it's, it, during the introduction, I have a beautiful wife, Audrey, two kids, yeah. Rachel and Emily. Um, grew up in Arkansas, uh, moved to the Nashville area about 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. Moved to Franklin about probably five or six years ago. Okay. Um, so went to college in the small Division II school in Arkansas, played tennis there. Went to graduate school at the University of New Hampshire, lived there for a couple years after that. And then, like I said, moved here, moved back to Little Rock, then moved here about 12 years ago. That's awesome. Well, you do have a wonderful wife, and Audrey teaches at Clovercroft. That's right. So, uh, Kids that's go great. there, too. That's so yeah. good. Tell us about your career, kind of, you know, the steps that have led to where you are today. Sure. Uh, and when, when I heard you were going to ask me these questions, not that we prepared in advance. Yeah, Obviously, yeah, yeah. Jeff, it's just all happened. Um, I, I wrote something down to explain my career. Serendipity plus lack of transferable skills really equals my career now. So, I, I mean, that's, that's how it all started. And it, it's amazing to think about sort of the journey. If you look back, it all makes sense. But at the time, you know, who, who knows how it happened. So how I really started, I, I worked on a political campaign in New Hampshire. We lost. Um, I was visiting some friends in Arkansas. They said, hey, why don't you come to this book signing? The, current sitting U.S. Senator is going to be there from Arkansas, why don't you come and meet her? And so I got, went to the book signing, met her, we chatted for a few minutes. Three weeks later, I get a call from her chief of staff asking me to come to Washington for an interview. And, and there it is, right? Wow. So, and that serendipity has happened time after time. So the reason I'm in Nashville is because um, a couple years after that, I happened to be at a conference um, in, in Little Rock in economic development, and I met a woman at the Nashville Chamber of Commerce dropped a mutual friend of ours, Bob Fisher, the president of Belmont, yeah. and that's how I'm here. 
So it's just weird how those things, how you can just look back on your life and you can see you didn't know where you were headed, you didn't know what God's plan was then, but now it all makes sense in retrospect. Yeah. I love that. And I love how God never wastes an experience. Right. You know, you go back and you look at your life and you're like, why did I have that job? Why did I do this? And then right. you go, oh, okay. It, God's all, leads been at work to, the whole it time. all leads to a certain point. And you got to yeah. listen too. I mean, yeah. That's always been my approach, especially in a career, is just listen for those opportunities mm. and be willing to take the risk when those opportunities present themselves. Yeah. And that what should call us to have faith today. Right. You know, a lot of times we're like, well, is God at work in my life or what's happening? Right. God is, you right. know, and God's preparing you for what God's preparing for you. Right, as long as yeah. you're willing to listen. I exactly. think that's what's a great part that you talk about a lot is just that quiet, still moment where we can hear God's calling. I think that's really important. Mm, I love that. Well, tell us, Matt, a little bit. I mean, when we hear Williamson County Chamber of Commerce mm-hmm. or or economic development, what, what does that mean? What do, what do you really you do? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, my kids ask me that all the time. What do you actually do for a living? It's, I can't even explain it to them. So let me start by talking about how we view ourselves as an organization. Okay. And I love to tell the Tractor Supply Company story. So Tractor Supply Company <clears throat> doesn't have a headquarters. They have a store support center in Brentwood. And they're really careful about the terminology they use because that office supports all the retail stores across the country. We're kind of the same way. Our job exists to help and support companies throughout Williamson County. We have a dual mission to help companies grow, to help grow the economy of Williamson County. Our organization is only successful when our companies and our community are successful. So <clears throat> I love how Tractor Supply really make, you know, they, they're, they're not a headquarters. They support all the stores out there. We support all our members. So it's the same way. You know, and the way we do that from a chamber standpoint is really through helping people make intentional connections that then help them grow their business that will eventually lead to spontaneous capitalism through those connections. So as an organization, we put on about 100 meetings a, a year, and it's to help people give them the tools they need to grow their business and the connections they need to grow their business. It's pretty simple. And then helping to grow the economy of Williamson County, I mean, that's all about the economic development piece, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, the simplest definition of economic development is helping those you care about, or helping create prosperity for those you care about. So it's kind of three legs. It's working with existing businesses, it's working with uh, recruitment companies coming to town, and it's working with entrepreneurs as well. And people think that Williamson County is built on all these companies moving from out of town, and that's not really the case. In the last two years, 95% of all the job announcements in Franklin have come from companies already in the region. So we spend a lot of time working with the companies that are already here to make sure that they continue to grow and prosper in Williamson County. Wow. Well, give us some highlights. I mean, it seems like it's for Williamson County, for Nashville, give us some highlights about our community. Yeah. You know, one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of is that for in the last year, for the first time ever, Williamson County had the fastest job growth rate in the country. In the we, nation. In the nation. Yeah. Out of 3,000 counties, we grew at 6.5%. The U.S. grew at about 1.9% in that same time period. So wow. that's amazing that we were the first, the first time ever we've been in that position. We were number one in the country. Um, also, we have the lowest unemployment rate in Tennessee, and we have had for about a year straight. So that's great as well. So what that means to me is people are coming here, but they're coming here and finding jobs. And that's really, really important is yeah. to make sure that we have that environment that allows job creation to occur. And I'm always careful, too. We don't create jobs. Government doesn't create jobs. But we do create the environment that allows people then to invest that capital and take that risk. And that's yeah. important, too. Another stat I think that's really important for us to recognize is that 54% of our residents have at least a bachelor's degree. And that's really important because that's what drives this economy is our school system. 
And when you have people who have that education level, first of all, they push the schools to be even better. Secondly, most of the jobs of the future are going to require an advanced degree. So that sets us up really well compared to the rest of the country. And the final thing that's, that's good to know, it's not just the big companies that make up Williamson County. In fact, mostly it's the smaller companies. Mm. And every year, Inc. Magazine rates the fastest 5,000 growing companies in America. This last year, 30% of those companies in Tennessee came from one county, and that's Williamson County. Wow. So we've proven that we're really resilient, and we're an economy that attracts people of all different sh shapes and sizes. Yeah. And that's, that's a great place to be. Well, what makes this area so unique? I mean, it seems like you, know, you meet a ton of people who are moving right. here from California. Uh, you have this robust job growth. I mean, what makes this area so attractive but yet so unique? Yeah, you know, I think what makes this area so unique is, it sounds, it sounds so cliche to say, but it's the people. Yeah. And I think that's what really matters. I'll never forget um, when I was working the Jackson National Life Insurance Company project and meeting with their COO at the time, the CEO now, um, Mike Wells, and he said, you know, there's just something about the people in this community that I can't put your finger on. And he even specifically referenced the faith community. He said, I think that informs how this community acts and behaves and treats people because I see it, my employees see it, and there's something special about that. I also think the giving nature of our community is really important, and, and we know from a recent um, event we put on called Outlook Williamson, where we actually took a deep dive into our economy, we're incredibly philanthropic. In mm. fact, we're much more philanthropic than the rest of our peers, which you don't expect for a community this wealthy. You've talked often mm. about the inverse relationship between the richer you get, the less you give. <clears throat> we're lucky in this community where that hasn't been the case here. Right. So I think we're philanthropic. And then, I love this statistic, 49% of the people who live in Williamson County aren't even from the state of Tennessee. And I think that's really important to think about because what it means is we become a welcoming and accepting location for people from the outside. So they can come in, their families can connect, they can engage, and they can develop deep roots in the community. So all those things, I think, is what makes us really special. Wow. What it is. It's just, we're blessed. We we're live in a so great place. We're so fortunate. And, and the more often I go to other communities, whether it's through conferences or visits, you, you get an even deeper sense of appreciation. Mm. We had Douglas County, Georgia here um, yes, two days ago, and um, we've, we've hosted 10 other cities in the past five years mm -hmm. who do benchmarking trips, and you always leave those conversations feeling great about your own community because you realize we don't have the challenges they do. Yes, traffic's terrible here, we know that, but I like to say it's a byproduct of our success, which is a great line, but it doesn't solve traffic. Um, but, but, that's, but, but, you know, someone said to me, look, if you don't have a traffic problem in your community, you've got much worse problems, mm -hmm. and I think he's exactly right. Wow, that's a good insight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's tell one way to us. Look at it. It's one way to rationalize it. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> so, well, tell us when, when uh, the guy from Jackson National mentioned yeah. the faith community. Uh, tell us about your own faith journey. Sure. Tell us about kind of how um, God has been drawing you to Himself, and then you know getting involved in church and right. What, what, Tell us about that. This is the vulnerable part of the interview. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. I have to actually talk about myself. Yeah. So uh, you know, I was thinking back when I when I got the question in advance. Um, it, it happened. The moment of salvation happened when I was 14. Mm. So it was a, you may know the, the name, the guy, Rick Stanley is his okay. name. It's Elvis's half-brother, led a revival in Arkansas. Leave it to Arkansas to have a revival with Elvis's half-brother. Yeah. 
Um, so he actually led the revival. That was the moment of public salvation. But you know, for me, it's a process. Mm. I'm not an epiphany kind of guy, I learned. Mm. That's just not me. I'm, I'm much more skeptical and critical and way too analytical. So it's been, it's been a journey. And mm. it's been, as a friend of mine and I talk, it's kind of op- going through a series of doors mm. as for me to grow deeper in my faith. It just, it wasn't a click for me. It just mm. happens over time. And, you know, sometimes I struggle with doubt because of my mm. analytical nature. And, um, uh, you know, then, then I think there are reassurances along the way, but it's been a long process for me and a continuing process. But I will say through, through this church and the leadership here, it's made a big difference in my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I get it. It's not the church, but certainly the way it's, the message delivered does yeah. make a difference. Yeah. Well, talk about even in your family, it's been a, a journey. You know? Yeah, it has. And, you know, I, I, we're all pretty private, but I know everyone mind me saying, I mean, her mission trips to Moldova, as you always say, it changes your life more than it does the mm-hmm. kids that are over there, and I think that's exactly, and that's a big step for someone who grew up mm. in, a, in a region, in a country, in a family, in a church that wasn't overtly, I hate to use the word term religious, but wasn't overtly spiritual or didn't really talk about religion at home. That was a big deal for her yeah. to do that, and I think about all the time about how you know our job as parents is to make sure that we're the ones responsible for growing the faith mm-hmm. of our kids. Yeah. And that we take that, res- I mean, there's nothing more, there's nothing more important that we do, right. right? And so for me, it's relating everyday experiences they have at school or I have at work to what does that mean in your life? What does that mean in the context of, of God? Mm-hmm. That's, that's important. Well, I think that's huge. And it, it, it's been a, a joy for me to kind of watch you guys grow in the faith and, and uh, see your girls and see how much they uh, love you as as a dad and as a mom, but um, you know it was so powerful when Audrey was baptized right. and just uh, that celebration. And I just thought, wow, you know, God has been doing something great in your life, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. And you think about, you know, we talked about serendipity earlier. It's quite possible all those conversations 12 years ago, yeah, 15 years ago, led to that moment of salvation. Yeah. Her. And who would have who would have expected that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> that amazing. Yeah. Well, talk about because you have a unique perspective between. Uh, faith and then being in the community. Talk about the relationship between our faith and living in a community. What, what difference should it make? Yeah, you know, and you, I guess you talk about this all the time, but you, your faith, our faith should inform every action we make. Yeah. And that extends um, to the business world. I mean, you can't compartmentalize faith. So I think it starts just by the way I treat my employees, the way when, when struggles happen, when you, you go up against... Um, people, regardless of their behavior, you, you behave in a way that's informed by your faith. Yeah. So I think that you just, you, you know, you're, it, it, it's sort of uh, a misnomer to think faith intersects community. Your faith is part of your community. Yeah. And I think that's, and we're lucky in a place like Franklin where that's, that's, okay, to, that's okay to do. So I, I, I don't see how you, you separate the two. I mean, I think good business is showing compassion to your employees. And study after study will, will show that. And mm. that's exactly how you're supposed to treat people. So... There's, there's nothing, at least for me, that um, causes those two things to be separate. I think your faith absolutely informs the way you behave every day, whether you're in a business setting or not. Yeah. I do think where we live is unique in that. You <clears throat> yeah. know, uh, the other night I had the uh, privilege to pray at the board of the alderman meeting for the mayor, and, uh, and I just thought, this is probably pretty uncommon, you know, right. <laughs> I'm down here praying for our, our city and for our community. Uh, Talk about that difference. You've, you've traveled to a lot of different communities. Talk about that difference that faith really makes uh, in these communities. 
Yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's significant, and it's yeah. significant when it's embraced in a public way, and we're lucky not every place is like that. I mean, I'm careful not to judge other communities when you go to it, but just really appreciate where we come from. But I do think that's unique in Williamson mm -hmm. County and in Franklin, that we're able to be so public about our faith, mm -hmm. and there's not necessarily a backlash. And as polarized as things are politically now, it becomes even more important for us to be a living display of that faith, and particularly in the way we treat people and in the way when conflict comes, how we deal with that. And that's mm. when our faith gets tested. It's easy to have principles when, um, then when things are neat and tidy, but those principles are only tested when you go through some of those difficult times as you talk about almost oh, yeah. every Sunday. Well, how do you, and you see this from a different perspective, but how do you, if you are a, a follower of Christ and you're at a company, and you know, the company doesn't espouse uh, faith or following Christ, how do you live out your faith there in, in that sense? Yeah, I think that just goes by how you, how you treat people. And it mm -hmm. starts, you know, I, people always talk about society as this sort of whole, but it's, it, it's every individual person. It's individual behavior. So it's how you treat your coworkers. It's how you treat your boss. You're, you're a living example. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think you're exactly right. How do you, what would you encourage us about? How do you live out your faith in the community between yeah. our... Our uh, neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, you know, we're all a part of that. And sometimes it's easy for us to go, man, work's been tough today. And to come in and pull in the garage, put the garage door down behind you and just want to not even be involved, right? right? But how do we or should we engage? Yeah, I think that's the first point is, yeah, we should be engaged. I mean, there's mm. no question. I mean, if, if not us, who's going to do it, Right. right? So I think that, uh, you know, we've got to, and we've got to also be concerned not just with the next life, but with this life too. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that really speaks to who we are as a community. So I think it's absolutely important. And we set the example by how we treat and behave with each other. So it's critical that we're engaged and involved in leader, leadership positions throughout our community. I mean, that's, that's the most important thing to take from this is to don't just go in your garage at night, don't stay in your house, go and engage. And that's serving on boards or commissions or even elected office. I feel like people of faith are especially called to do those kind of things. How have you seen that play out? I mean, in whether it's school boards or, you know, HOAs, you know, huh? yeah. I mean, how do you see that play out for <clears throat> us as believers to get involved in those kind of areas? Yeah, I think, and I think it's also important for believers to be informed. So I think some of the best leaders in our community come because of their past experiences and their perspectives they have. So through our chamber, we operate Leadership Brentwood, which is a leadership program that you go through and you learn about different aspects of our community. So whether it's the financial piece, arts and entertainment, economic development, crime, education, you see how these pieces fit together. Mm. And those are exactly the kind of leaders we want in our community that understand that it's a really delicate balance. And as great as things are today, if we don't have the right leadership in place, that can go south pretty quick. Mm. So I would say um, having people of faith that really get out there and learn about our community and see how these pieces connect and then also take a biblical perspective of how to treat other people, that's your, that's your ideal leader for Williamson County. Wow. I love that. I, I think often about being in Williamson County or being in Nashville that we have the opportunity to influence the influencers. Right. Right? Because it's yep. a, a lot of people here, I mean, they're, they're traveling throughout the week. Right. And, but as they go, as they go, they are the hands and feet of Christ. Right. right? And so talk about that as you look at Williamson County, as you even look at Nashville, 
uh, kind of some of the major industries? What do, what do you see as being kind of exported from this area? I, you're so right about it, a sphere of influence. I think about that all the time. And I think about, you know, our, our organization, we're a nonprofit. We tend to be an incubator of talent for other companies. And that's fine. I mean, that's, that's where we are. So we have a lot of people early in their career. And my job is to make them better at their job, mm. right? I think that's so important. And, and I think that because I know, and I've even helped people find jobs who are still employed because I said, look, I want what's best for you in your career. I know this is a stopping point. So come and talk to me and let's find it out. And I know that because of the way we treat people, all of a sudden our sphere of influence grows. Hmm. So I think I love to think about things in terms of sphere of influence. So if you think about uh, this church and the people here as a sphere of influence, yeah, you, 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 you're informed by what happens on Sunday, but also what you, what you learn throughout the week. You take those experiences back. And, um, and, I, and I think it's so powerful, the, the, the ripple effect that you have when it, it all starts here. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that's such a, a, a call to us because it's so easy for us to sit back, right? It's so we, we're, we're busy, we've got kids, we've got families, and sometimes we're going, well, I don't have time to give to my community. I don't have right. time to get involved in what's right. going on at our kids' school or what's going right. on. In, uh, but we've got to push past that. Well, you have to do that because, and I think that's the challenge. Our biggest challenge in Williamson County is complacency, mm. is complacency. And, you know, it's no accident that we have an incredibly low voter turnout because things are great here. Well, if, if that low voter turnout stays the way it is, all of a sudden you wake up and things aren't so great. And we've had that happen here recently, and I think it's incumbent on us to step up and get involved and get engaged because the things we... And I think that's the thing about a position like mine is you see the community from a different way and you see how things could all of a sudden turn south really fast mm. if people aren't involved and engaged in being part of that great leadership. We have been blessed with great civic and government leaders. So I was, with, as I mentioned, that county in Georgia earlier this week and it was me moderated panel of the county mayor, a guy named Pat Emery, who's essentially built Cool Springs, and another gentleman who's working in innovation. And we had two people who, both strong men of faith, Pat and, and Rogers, who um, you have this historical knowledge about how this community was built, but are still involved in building this community. Those two people are critical, and we have to have people coming up behind them that are continue that great legacy, yeah. or all of a sudden their leadership has been, has been all for naught. Talk about that, because there are a lot of people that are <clears throat> moving into the area. You know, you, you talked about that statistic earlier. Yeah. And there's a lot of development that's happening. I don't know what the number is, but it seems yeah. like it's, you know, you mentioned ovation yeah. and all this. How do we, as people who are already in the community, embrace people who are coming in? How do we do that in, in, a, in, a, in a manner that we can share our faith and, yeah. and really point people to Christ. And I think that's really important. And that's one of the things we do really well because we have so many outsiders. Whenever I work with a company, I was in St. Louis last week working with a company that's moving, moving here, and I was talking to their employees. So I showed a map of the U.S. Uh, it's, it's a migration map of where everybody's moved from to Williamson County over the past five years. And I left that slide by saying, I just want you to know you're not alone mm. and you're not the first. Mm. And I think that really resonates with people because they know there are people that have moved here that aren't, aren't like them and they'll be embraced. So I think it comes down to individually what we do with our neighbors when we know somebody's moving to town, yeah. right? We walk over, we welcome them here, we, we, we invite them to church, we invite mm -hmm. them, you know, we, we do, we just, you know, we, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. We, we just reach out, right? Yeah. I mean, we just, we, we just reach out. Yeah. 
And I think that's a call for all of us, right? Yeah. You know, and uh, whatever your job is or whatever your travel schedule is or whatever your demands are, you, right. you still have this call to use your sphere of influence for the glory of that's God. That's right. And, 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 you'll, and you'll feel better once you do it too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you talk about what's, what's happiness. Well, happiness is helping others. Yeah. I mean, that's, and it's so simple and it's so basic, but it, it's easy to get overlooked as life gets busier and busier. Yeah. It, Talk about, we live, I mean, Williamson County, Nashville. I mean, Nashville, what's the relationship there? Because it, yeah. we're just in a hot area right now. Right. I mean, you know, houses are turning like this. People right. are moving in. But even nationally, for whatever reason, we, our area has favor. And yeah. talk about that relationship between Williamson County, Nashville, sure. and how it all works And I get together. that question a lot, too. I mean, yeah. are, are you the enemy? You know, do they play Darth Vader music when you walk in? <laughs> All that kind of stuff. Um, the reality is we exist and we're successful because of Nashville. Mm. I mean, we, you know, Nashville is a hot city and that benefits us greatly. So yesterday there was a big announcement in Nashville, Hankook Tires, which already established a, a manufacturing operation in Clarksville, announced their U.S. headquarters is moving to, to downtown Nashville. That's great for Williamson County because we're part of that same Nashville brand. Plus, a lot of the executives are going to live in Williamson County, so that's how we all benefit. So, you know, we'd much rather see a company come to downtown Nashville than downtown Charlotte or Austin or Raleigh or Atlanta. So we benefit greatly, and I've got a great personal relationship with my peers in Nashville, and I know the mayors work well together as well. Mm. Well, you have a lot of, when you talk about commuting, you have commuting going from Williamson County into Nashville, yeah. but then you have commuting coming yeah. from Nashville into Williamson County. It's, the right. number's almost equal, so we definitely share. So when we talk about solving some of the big challenges in our community, like transportation, it's got to be a solution that both communities can embrace, because yeah. there's, so much, um, there's so much tie between the two. And when we're recruiting a company to town or helping a company grow, we talk about a labor shed or a labor pool. And if traffic gets worse and worse, all of a sudden you can't get 30 miles in 30 minutes. Mm. And it becomes a challenge. And your labor pool of potential employees shrinks. Because when we compete for a company, we're competing against cities much bigger than ours. So it does make a company nervous when, you know, we're already small compared to Dallas and Chicago and Atlanta. But that's where competition is. You know, we've got to make sure that there's ease getting among the different communities in Middle Tennessee. Talk about the schools, because schools in Williamson County are a big oh, deal. Yeah. You know, yeah. How does that impact uh, economic development, but how does that impact our community as well? Yeah, the number one economic driver for us is our public school system. And I would say schools in general. It's an ecosystem. It's your private schools. It's your homeschoolers. It's your public schools. But education is really what drives everything, because education drives talent. Talent drives companies. all comes back to the great school system. And I just read that we're going to have 1,800 more kids next year in Williamson County schools. At 1,000 new kids, they build a school. <clears throat> wow. Where I grew up in Fort Smith, Arkansas, I was reading an article the other day where they're debating having a third high school in the community, and I read that they haven't built a new school of any kind since 1986. So, again, you know, you, there's traffic congestion challenges. I'd still much rather have our problems than their problems. Yeah. So schools really drive everything. Um, we talk a lot. We work with the schools. In fact, we're the only chamber in the country I know where a, one day a week someone from the school system offices out of our office to make those connections between the business and education community. Wow. How can we as kind of the average citizen impact uh, schools, impact our community? Uh, what difference yeah. can we make? Uh, a significant difference. Follow what's going on with the school board. Let your school board officials know how you feel about certain issues. Volunteer in your school. Serve on your PTO. There's a lot of ways you can get engaged and involved. And don't take things for granted. Again, it goes back to that complacency piece. Yeah. 
Complacency is a huge thing. Oh, yeah. You know, I and think, in our lives, right? In our community. Yeah. 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 You can drift. What did you say in one of your sermons several <laughs> yeah. months ago? It's, it, it's, it's not that you make a purposeful decision to do something wrong. It's that you drift away. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens in a community, too. You, you drift away. You let things go on autopilot. Well, I mean, there's nothing worse than you can do by thinking that um, things would go well on autopilot. It just doesn't work that way. Right. Right. That's, yeah, that's powerful. It's powerful. What's the best leadership advice you've ever been given? Yeah. So, I, you know, I thought a lot about that question. And, um, and I'll talk about, and I'll just read a, a quote that, that I think about a lot now. And we've really touched on some of the themes in this conversation already, Jeff. But um, leadership is about enabling the full potential in others. Oftentimes, in the rush of business necessity, leaders forget their responsibility is to make those around them better and thus find themselves stuck between leading and managing. Mm. So I think a lot about that. I think a lot about how, you know, it's not that you tell somebody in your office what to do. You know, I'm, I'm big and empowering. I set sort of the guide rails, but I'm empowering, but it's also solving problems. And it's coming to the solution where they're, they, it's a learning moment and they, and they become a better employee that one day they could run a chamber if they so choose, mm. or they could run a department if they made, this, made that conscious decision. So to me, it's all about the full potential in others. So that's one piece. The other one I like, and this is a quote that came from a guy I used to work for in graduate school. It's pretty simple. It's find a better way. Mm. Um, And I think that guards against complacency. And and it almost builds in this continuous improvement model by just thinking about finding a better way. More efficient, smarter, harder, whatever it is, but just find a better way. There's always room for improvement no matter what you're doing. Wow. I love that first one you talked about, unleashing the potential in others because... Uh, that's really the call, especially spiritual leadership. As we talk about men, as we talk about our call as men, mm-hmm. leading in our homes, but leading in our workplaces or in volunteer positions or just in our community, to, to make others better. Right. And a lot of times we don't think about that. We want to get a job done. You know, we're kind of men. We're in it to get the right. job done. And, and really, th- that's the byproduct of us raising up a generation that loves the Lord and wants to be a better citizen. And that's what your yeah. legacy is all about. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, and I, I, you read some of these studies about the, the CEO who's always out front, who's doing the interviews, who's on the front page mm-hmm. of the paper, who's on the front page of magazines, versus the CEO that quietly works behind the scenes. And empirical studies will say the people behind the scenes run better companies mm-hmm. than the CEOs that are always out front. Mm-hmm. Because it's not about you. Yeah. I mean, how many times do you say that in your sermons? It's not about you. It's not that, you know, it takes us a while to get it, yeah. but it's so true, and I have to remind myself that every day. It's not about me. It's, yeah. That's not why you're here. It goes back to our organization, and mm. I love the tractor supply model. We're not a headquarters. We're here to serve others. That's why we exist. It's inverted pyramid model. Yeah. Well, Christ is the one who said he gave us that example, right? He gets that's down right. and washes the disciples' feet. That's right said, I've done this, you know, so that you can go and do this for others. I've set an example for you. And that's servant leadership. That's right. And uh, that's, that's not what's modeled out there in our culture or our society, but it's what we're called to do. And that's where you see better companies, better schools, better communities when people serve. And it works. It that's works. the crazy thing. It actually works. All that stuff Jesus said actually works. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> that's a, it's crazy. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, tell us about, you know, what do you wish... Every citizen of Williamson County or Nashville knew. What, what do you yeah. just wish that if I could say this and I would get this to people, what do you, what do you wish every person knew? Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think we've touched on it a couple times, and I think it's just that guarding against complacency piece. And mm. I think it's also, you know, letting them know how important it is that they take a role in our community. 
mm. and, and particularly in a leadership position. And as you've said many times, leadership starts in your home. Leadership can be anywhere. But it's, it's critical that people take an active role in our community. Otherwise, you know, and here's the other thing too, you know, uh, we are very successful, but it doesn't mean we're going to continue to be successful. And there are people that we have a big, the more successful you are, the bigger target you have on our back. There are communities in Middle Tennessee that would love to have a Cool Springs, or love to have a downtown Franklin, or love to have a Leapers Fork. So we've got to make sure that we work harder to keep those sorts of things going than we did to get there. Mm -hmm. And it takes everybody being involved and engaged. So that's what I'd say is I would hope that people would go out and take the time to inform themselves and then go vote and be involved and be active. And if they see something they don't like, it's headed the wrong way, step in, mm -hmm. get involved, get engaged. I can tell you firsthand, things can get ugly and messy, but it doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do. Right. Wow. That's good. So Matt, what do you want your legacy to be? Yeah, so, you know, I think it's, again, things we kind of touched on already. It's all about what you leave behind. And for me, it's, it's my kids mm. and, and what I'm able to teach them on the day-to-day -day interaction. So when, when we had our first child, um, the gift I gave Audrey after birth was I went to all our friends and I collected their advice on, on how to raise kids and what they learned. And those who had kids and those who didn't have kids. And I gave her this book that had all our friends' advice. And it's so interesting, the simplest piece of advice is the one that I think was the best. A friend of mine, who was my tennis coach in college, said, look, Matt, just spend as much time with your kids as you can, and you'll figure it out. Mm. And I think that, I so try to think about that all the time, spend as much time. I think about Nick's mm -hmm. marble analogy mm -hmm. a lot, right? How much time you've got left with your kids. And, and I, think that's, I think that's it, mm -hmm. you know? I, um, I, I've set my kids up with an email account. And I would say probably once every couple of weeks, I'll email them an article uh, of something I run across that I want to pass on to them. And, um, and I'll put a little note in there and said, you know, when, when you grow up, I, you're going you're gonna to face with this challenge. Here's some great advice on how to do it, right? Wow. So, and, and, and I said, at some point when you guys are old, you're old enough, you'll have this and you can go back and you can look through time and, and hopefully this will be helpful to you. So that's one. And, you know, I think about that too. My dad passed a legacy onto me. Nearly every day, he would write me a letter when I was in college. Really? Yeah, it was really, it was really a cool thing. In fact, I remember going to the check on the mail one day with a friend of mine at college, and they said, could your dad adopt me? I'd, I'd love to get a letter every day. So it was a really neat thing. So, you know, that's the thing that was passed on to me that I passed on to my kids. So I think that's one. Second, the legacy from a, from a work standpoint, and this really, I, I love this story. When I was interviewing someone for a position with, I'm going to grab a mic. There you go. When I was interviewing uh, someone for a position in my office, he said to me advice his dad gave him when he was dating. He said, no matter what happens after a relationship you have with a girl, uh, make sure that she became a better person for having dated you. And I thought that was really, really good and really simple. And it's the same thing for people who work for me. Make sure you leave them a better employee after you're gone. And I think that's, that's the best thing you can do. And I think, you, you know, you're, whether it's a nonprofit or a church or a, or a company, it's, it's all about what you leave behind that really makes the difference long term. Man, I love that. That's great advice. Thanks. Especially in the dating area and then with your kids. I mean, thinking about, you know, yeah. you don't think about it that way, but right. that's so huge. I know. I thought that was a really good story that just, it's simple, but it makes a lot of sense. No yeah. matter how difficult the breakup is, right, yeah. or how ugly it gets, and it gets messy. 
um, make sure the person was a better person for having dated you. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. Give us two takeaways. Two takeaways. Well, this is actually pretty easy. Um, join the chamber and then get one of your <laughs> friends to join the chamber. There you go. Pretty simple. That's, that's it. Great. That's all you're going to do. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> now, get involved, right? We talked about it the whole time. Get involved, be engaged, you know, uh, uh, work to help solve the problems. However you want to engage, um, do it. I mean, whether it's going to a leadership program or serving a PTO, serving a board commission, everything up to elected office, just get involved and get engaged. That's yeah. what matters. That's awesome. And join the chamber. And join the chamber. All right, we've got a couple of questions. Are you okay. ready for a couple I'm, questions? I'm ready for a couple of questions. All right. Yeah. Okay, let's do some questions. Um, Matt, your position puts you in contact with some of the area's most accomplished business leaders. If you were to filter through them all, what do you see as being the top two or three leadership characteristics that they all possess and that drives their success? I think it's the way they treat their employees. And you don't know that given the interaction you have with them, but you do know that based on the way they talk about their employees, right? So I think that's the biggest thing is how, how, how the companies treat their employees and what kind of culture they set and how the culture set from the top. So that's what you really notice. <clears throat> you know, in, in, in my position, you come across a lot of CEOs of companies that uh, you know at that moment you'd never want to work for them mm. based on their behavior, based on the way they treat you, based on the way they treat others. <clears throat> but I think it's just as simple as the way they treat other people, how they talk about their employees, and what kind of compassion they show. Wow. I, I think that's huge. I mean, obviously, that's that servant leadership yep. we were talking about earlier. But, you know, that's a huge responsibility that a lot of times you're a guy, you're driven, you want to get the job done, and you don't think about the people around you as much. Right. And uh, those CEOs that really succeed are the ones who, they want the best for the people around them. Well, and, and I think you can, you can probably succeed and be a jerk, but then you have to sleep with yourself at yeah. night, right? Then you have to go to sleep at night. And, and, you know, and there's something greater than that. It's all about, it's, what does it do to your soul, mm. right? When you, when you behave like that day after day after day after day, um, I, I just, it's something I, it's a, it's something I hope I never have to face. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it shows what drives you, right? right? I mean, if money's driving you or success <clears throat> or image, those mm -hmm. things are driving you, that impacts what you do and the way you treat people. And then how you define success. What's yeah. your definite, is it just the number in your bank account or is there something more to that than, than success? And, and, and there's no question there is. I mean, that's the worst. You, you'll never hear me talk about our median income ever because mm. that is not our measure of success our measure of success to me is are people moving here and finding jobs um, and are we raising the wages of your average worker mm. that's those are the two things that matter yeah yeah and for all of us right you know mm -hmm. love god love others when yep. you come back to that greatest commandment and if we're doing that we're we will and, be and it's easy for yeah. communities successful as ours to get it caught up in the wrong things yeah all right, you got another one? Yeah, the next question is, what is our median income? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's too high. It's too high. It's too high. Um, okay, being in a position that is so demanding of your time and attention, what are some disciplines you practice to help balance your family time and your work time? Well, that's really misnomer about being so demanding. Um, I'm really good at delegating. That's something I've skill I've really learned, and it's the best single thing that you can do is delegating. No, I, I, I so, it's true. yeah, well, delegating is important. You know, my dad told a story that I think about a lot, and I, may, I don't know if I've told you this or not, but it's a great analogy here at some conference. Basically, he said, just imagine all the different parts of your life as balls you're juggling in the air. So there's work, your work ball, there's your family, 
there's your spiritual life. I mean, imagine all the different balls that you're, that you're juggling. And, um, but, but in the same analogy, the, the family ball is glass. And if you drop the family ball, it breaks. The work ball is not glass, it's rubber. The other things are rubber, they can bounce back, but the family ball doesn't. So I think that's what's really important, is that you just keep, I keep that in my head, and you try to carve out as much time as you can with your family. And, you know, I was pretty clear when I interviewed for the job, I said, you know, family time's important. I'm not going to go to everything at night. So I try to, I'm really careful about, I try to do the business I can, definitely not before work because I'm not a morning person, but, but um, lunches. I mean, lunches are time to get, to get business done and then spend as much time as I can. And then I protect weekends too. Mm-hmm. So it's just about, it's, you're, you know, you look at your calendar, you know your priorities, yeah. right? So it's, I think that's important. Yeah, I mean, you can tell your priorities from your, you know, the checks you were hiding from that, where you spend your time and where you spend your money, your that's calendar right. and your checkbook. And so, yeah, I, I think that's important. You got to set boundaries. Otherwise, yeah. everything will creep in on there. Oh. And your family times and, one gets robbed. And, a, and a jo- at a job like this, you could be out literally every night. You really? Yeah. yeah you could. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt, talk to you just, just real briefly about sure. those personal relationships and how important they are. I know recently you had a, a good friend who um, passed, and you were at the funeral this past weekend. Yeah. And Did that give you some perspective, or what, what did that do in just your heart and your life? Yeah, that was really, that was really tough. Um, and I, so I learned last, I guess it was a week or so ago, I learned on a Monday morning what had happened. and um, No, Tuesday morning what happened. And later that day, I... Um, I just went to see the family, and I knocked on the door, and I walked in, and I was greeted by the mom, and she, we just both cried and hugged, and she looked at me and said, you're my son now. I said, okay, I can do that, and um, it was, uh, that was hard. That was, I've never lost someone that close to me who was around my same age, and it was, uh, it was a tough couple of weeks, still is. So I, I think you just, you know, those, those, the relationships you have with people, don't neglect them. You know, stay in touch. It's not easy, especially in a mobile society. You know, stand. You give me a cry this morning. <laughs> it's all right. Um, you know, stay in touch with people. You know, love them, serve them. Um, you know, and don't forget about them. And and you know, and so I was with the father, and I said at the funeral, and this is a suggestion by a friend. I said I want to schedule time with you on a regular basis for as long as you'll have me, right? You know, every month I'd love for us to get together and just have lunch because I was that connection with him. I've known him since I was 13. He's the only reason I'm sitting here right now. He's the only reason I moved to Nashville is because of him. So I think just, just, just stay in touch and don't forget. And, and again, it's not all about you, you know? And, and you called me after it happened and you said, what can I do for you, Matt? I said, you've already done so many great things. It, you say all the time, when someone's going through a tragedy, show up. Just show up. You don't have to have a script. You don't have to have the right words today. Just show up. And so that's what I did. And it wasn't an easy decision to make, but my goodness, was it the right decision? So just show up. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great word for us, you know? Just show up and uh, be present in our community, with our family, with our friends. Yep. Um, life is short, and uh, we only get one shot at this. Yep. That's right. So. Uh, Let me pray for us, and then I'm going to turn it back over to you, Thomas. Is that all right? Father God, thanks for today. Um, Thank you for Matt. I pray a blessing on him. Father, I pray for this family, too, that's walking through a really tough time. And uh, God, I pray that, Lord, we would be men after your heart. 
I pray that we would be godly fathers. I pray that we'd be godly husbands. I pray that, Father, we wouldn't get so distracted with, with work or with money or success in our own definition, God, that we would miss you and miss what you have called us to do here. And uh, that, Father, is to share the love of Christ with others, and that is to be intentional with our family and to, and to raise up the people behind us and to make other people better. And so, God, please help us to do that. God, don't let us miss it. And God, I thank you for what you're doing in Williamson County and Nashville. And, and God, help us to engage and uh, use us, God, as the men you want us to be. Thank you for all the men that are here today. And thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for coming out today. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Jeff. I uh, want to remind you that you'll receive an email with a recap of today's interview, also a link to some helpful resources. Uh, that should come out this afternoon. On your way out, we've got a schedule card here. Next week is Charles Overby. Charles is the chairman of the Overby Center for Journalism and Politics. Oh. And he's going to lead us in a uh, discussion about how we navigate this upcoming election. So you don't want to miss oh, that. Cool. We'll start again breakfast yeah. at 630. We'll get uh, kicked off at 7 o'clock. See you next week.